welcome to the Proper Mental Podcast. Normalising open and honest conversations about mental health by having open and honest conversations about mental health. Welcome back to the Proper Mental Podcast. This is episode 90, part two, with Jay Wheeler from Love Art Global. If you listened to part one, I hope you enjoyed. I hope you got a lot from it. If you didn't listen to part one, welcome to part two. Everything you need to know is in the episode notes. So we're just going to jump back in exactly where part one left off. Thank you very much for listening. Enjoy. when I was in Bordeaux Psychiatric Hospital that they encouraged me to use art as therapy. So I was like, they were like, you know, come down to the OT room, occupational therapy department, and we'll do some um, some artwork. And I was like, I don't want to do no artwork. Like, I, I don't even want to be here. You know, and, and let's be honest, I mean, I never once picked up a paintbrush in the army, you know, or a spray can. So... I, I was very resilient about it for for a, a, a while, and um, and then I just thought, you know, I'm here for a, for a couple of months. Why not? And I'm going to base it on something that I think I haven't seen a lot of, and that's love, right? And I and I I sat there and I thought about I hadn't seen a lot of love, even from a young age, you know, with the beatings and stuff like that, and I di- I didn't. S- it was very scarce in my life. And then my choices um, put me in situations where I also saw not a lot, not a lot of, um, of love and compassion, yeah. you know, from other human beings, yeah, you know, yeah. human beings. Um, and, and then I thought, okay, well, and then I asked the, the guy, Paul Wilcock, who was in the woodworking department, and I said, you know, can you make me a stencil that says the word love? And he said, well, what's, what's your... And I said, well, I just want to get a stencil and, and I'm just going to start spraying it around the streets and, and sort of become a little messenger, a little go-between um, t- to say, you know, actually, we need to bring love back to the forefront of, of our communities because it seems to have taken a... I know on a world stage, it's taken a back, a back seat, mm. um, even more so now. Um, but also within the community, I think that's also taken a bit of a back seat as well because... You know, um, people's people's thoughts, people's way of life is just you know it's changing. But I thought it's got to be love, and um, so what I did, I finished my time in the hospital, and when I came out the hospital, I had to go back uh, every day, five days a week for six weeks, which is sort of like a follow-on from my admission to to hospital. But it was to go back and do the OT. So I was going back to the OT department, doing artwork and 
based on everything around the word love, because I do artwork, but it has to be based on the word love. Um, so I did that. And, and I'll tell you what I did. Uh, Broad Oak Unit, from here, from where I live, is about... It's about 50 minutes away, close on an hour, right? Every day. What I did... Um, the day before I started going there to do the OT sessions, I bought myself a canvas, and I got my stencil, and I sprayed this word, love, in the center of this, this canvas... And it was quite a long canvas, you know. And it was the love was just in the centre. And um, what I did every day, five days a week, six weeks, I used to walk from here to Broad Oak Psychiatric Hospital. And what I used to do, I used to walk against the traffic. And I used to walk with this canvas. And whenever a bus would interline with me, you know, people would be looking. But I would just... And I'd stop walking and I'd just stand there and let people look at, at this this crazy fool doing, you know, yeah. with his canvas and, the, and this, and this look. And um, it, it started from there. And I remember saying to the guys in the hospital, and I was going, yeah, I'm doing this, man, every, and I, I'll walk home when I finished in, I'll do the same thing. And, and I remember Paul saying to me, like, like, what are you, like, what's all that about? <laughs> but I knew, I knew then that I had to get, get people to just, listen to to stop and to look look at their surroundings and just look at the bigger picture uh, and then when that six-week program finished i um i then decided that you know i was still living with the bottles of we and the rubbish and all of that so what i would find is i would go out for an hour into the into town and I'd go around spraying the word love on the streets and and an hour later I'd come back home right and I wouldn't do it every day I would do it maybe a couple of times a week maybe twice a week if that seven days and then one day I decided to go out for an hour went spray painting the love Came back home again. My front door wasn't hundred percent secure, so I came back home and I noticed that my door was open. Uh, and I came in, and um, I could see there was a bag on the work table with some bits of stuff that's in there. Like as you can see, the I've got the eighteen toy connection here. So there's a few of these that are in this bag on the breakfast table. Now at the time, all these uh, collection was upstairs on a mattress that's all it was it was like a pile of toys on that mattress because i never used to sleep i used to sleep on the couch you know everything was on the couch and i noticed that some of the things are gone and, I, and i'm like someone's coming in like you know now it wasn't the fact that i'd been burgled it was the fact that someone had now seen how I was living. Now, I just went, I'm going to have to phone the police because I've been robbed. I phoned the police. The police came, the police officer came, and I swear to you now, he came through that door. He wasn't even interested in the burglary because he was just like, what's going on here? That's his words, exact words were, what's going on here? And um, I said, you know, 
burglary. Let's talk about burglary. And he took a statement and got off. And then about an hour later, the CID officers came, burglary section came, and um, again, they were concerned on how I was living. And what they did, they secured my door, uh, but they took photos of my apartment. And um, unknown to me, they then got back to the police station and phoned up SAFA, which is a military charity. And it's, um, they said to him, look, you know, we've got this lad ex-army, uh, I think he needs your help, you know. And Safa got in touch and the police and Safa came and saw how I was living. And um, and it was at that moment that, that you know, Bill, Bill Hunt, my Safa caseworker, absolute legend. Um, he, 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 I remember he, he walked through that door and he didn't, say, he didn't come in guns blazing like, oh, you need to get rid of, because he's ex-army, so he never come in with that, that frame of mind going, oh, you need to get this out, get this down the bins, and it wasn't none of that. He knew I was messed up, and he knew I was ill, and he just said, look, let's just sit down and talk, and that's all we did for the first couple of times that he came to see me. Uh, but then he went, look, we can apply for this funding, we'll get some money for you, and we'll, we'll get your flat done up and stuff like that. And he went, you know... Um, We'll get new furniture and everything. Everything needed carpet. Everything needed to be needed, and it all needed repainting because what I'd done within uh, the 2013-2015 period, living like that, I'd sprayed all these derogatory things about myself on the wall as well. I'd taken everything off the wall. Like you can look around this apartment now, and there's lots of faces on lots of things, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. So at that time, I took it all down and I turned them all over. Right. Because it felt like I was being watched, the way I was living, it felt like I was being watched. So I took everything down, everything with a face, turn it over. Um, and then Bill said, "Look, we'll get a painting decorator in." And, and I said, "I said, you know what? Um, I said, look, I'd rather do the painting and decorating myself. I created this mess, so I'd, I want to be the one to put it right." And he went, "Brilliant." got like a scaffold tower and and then I did and I you know we started the process of cleaning my home up and stuff and um and it is what you see it is now you know um Safra have been absolutely amazing for me I got I got money from my own regiment the Queen's Royal Hazards I got money from the British Legion uh Help for Heroes um I, don't, somehow, I think it was about five grand we got through funding and um it just enabled me to just redecorate the apartment and and because I think with the burglary, that was that things that was that that moment of I don't think you really want to be living like this, Jay. Yeah. And I think you know that deep down it was just easier to ignore it because I wasn't in, in a situation where someone was seeing that yeah. my environment. Yeah. Um and 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 that's that's what I decided to do. I started to uh, to do do the apartment up, and then um, 2015, I went out. It was my birthday, and I went out uh, to spray spray the love tag around around the city, and um, I got arrested. The police saw me. I did one outside Lime Street. Did a love tag outside Lime Street, and I, unknown to me. 
the railway police had, um, had seen me do it and then they followed me into town and I, I, I remember getting to the top of Church Street, the main, one of the main streets here in Liverpool and um, I just happened to look behind me and I saw two female police officers and you know when, when, when your eyes connect and you just know, you've just seen <laughs> each other, yeah. it was like that um, and I knew so then I quickly turned around and I started to walk a little bit more faster. And then in the corner of my eye, you know, sometimes you get these mobile police units in the middle of the city centre, just sitting there, don't they? And, you know, I've seen the police officer come out of there and starts walking down. So I'm thinking, he's coming for me because I, I've just worked it out. These two are following me and they've said to him, he's coming your way right, type thing. yeah, yeah. So I guess at the top of Church Street, and it does the most craziest thing. I went around the corner, walked into Costco, went to the toilet, and thought I changed my disguise. And all I changed about my disguise was take, take my jacket off. That's all it is. <laughs> I'm in the toilet, and I opened the toilet door to come out with my new look. And um, there's at least five or six police officers right there in front of me. And um, and the one at the front says, uh, uh, you've been, uh, you're, you know, arresting you for criminal damage. So they put me in the police car. And uh, this police officer that arrested me took me to St. Anne Street. And on the way to St. Anne Street Police Station, he said to me, he went, um, you don't remember me, do you? And I, and I looked at him and I was like, no. And he said, I'm the police officer that took the rope from around your neck. Wow. Yeah. And, um, and I was like, fuck. And we got to the police station and they put, they, uh, put me in a cell and uh, I went and did an interview and, uh, and I explained why I go out and spray the word love on the streets. I, I did it and, um, and I explained to the officer and, I, and at the end of the interview he was like, sounds like art has saved your life. And I said to him, I said, it has. And I said, you know, this is what I do. This is my therapy. It's, it's, it's my, um, it's the better part of me, you know. Um, and then they put me back in the cell because they'd, they was, they'd aware that, you know, they'd done several welfare checks for my mental health and stuff. Um, they sent in, uh, a mental health sort of like um, an advisor, not police, like a subunit, you know. So she comes in and says, um, you know, are you, are you okay? And I says, yeah, yeah. And she was like, do you know why you're here? And I said, yeah, I know why I'm here. Because um, I've been arrested for criminal damage. And she was like, well, how does that make you feel? And, you know, she's doing some sort of an assessment in me, on me, in the cell. And I said, look, I know exactly what I'm doing. I know exactly why I did it. And like I told the police officer in the interview, tomorrow I'll do be doing it again because I think the world needs to bring love to the forefront. Not, and in any way that I can be a part of that, I will do that. So I'm not being um, arrogant when I say uh, I don't mind getting arrested for what I do. I don't mind. I wouldn't even mind going to jail for what I did um, because it's something that I 
100% believe that just by going out there and putting a little love tag out, you know, the messages that I get from social media, from people when they come across the love tag, it's brilliant because they tell me how it makes them feel. They tell me what they've been going through and all of a sudden they see this love tag and it's like, wow, it makes you think. And i tell you a really good story. An old lady, right, who used to be on Facebook, God bless her, she's like 80 or 83 or something, right? I put a love tag on one of the benches in St. Andrew's Gardens, back at the Anglican Cathedral. On the bench, she sent me a message. I kid you not. She said um, she just survived a heart attack, right? And what she does, she goes to that in she goes to that bench every morning. She just goes there, sits there, and she said to me, she said, and all she thinks about is how lucky she is to be alive because of this love tag. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and I'm like, you see, this is why I do it first and foremost for me, for my therapy. But second to that, it interacts, it has a, it has a connection, a real connection with people. Yeah. And it's not sugar-coated. You'll see from my, some, my artwork, the artwork that I do relation, in relation to the word love, it's all very thought-provoking. It's not sugar-coated. It's not all the niceties. It's the realism of it. Um, and the reality is, is that love has taken a backseat, I believe, in, 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 uh, in, in, in the world. So um, I remember coming out the cell and, and I thought, yeah, they're going to they're gonna, uh, they're gonna charge me, you know, um, with criminal damage. Now... A year before, when I was in Windsor House Hospital, I had an episode where um, I needed, I was stressing out, I needed uh, to calm down. So I, you can go there, when you're in hospital and you have those moments, you can go to the med centre and go, you know, can you give me something to calm me down? And the guy kept saying, yeah, come back in five minutes. You know, like the nurse guy. I went back in five minutes, yeah, come back in ten minutes. Now, it's the wrong thing to do when, you, when you're in a psychiatric hospital and, you, you know, you've got a, a patient that wants... It's the wrong thing to do to keep getting them to come back yeah, and forth. Yeah, yeah, of course. So what I did in the end, it, 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 about three or four times, and I just went, fuck it. And then I, I went and got, like, the fire extinguisher, took it off the wall, and they had, like, a, a little tea room uh, where they'd chill out, and I just got this fire extinguisher, and I fucked it right through the window. And I just stood there. And then when they, when they all came running around and... I said to the guy when I asked you four times, man, four times for that, that thingy. Now to kind of get them now. Well, what they did, they phoned the police and the police came and gave me an on-the-spot fine for criminal damage in the hospital. And I said to the police officer, I was like, are you for real? And he went, look, we have to go off what the manager sent us. He said, because, I said, because look at the facts here. I'm in a psychiatric hospital. I'm ill. If I'm throwing things through the window, it's because I'm ill. This, you know, um, didn't come in. And then I, I got fined. So in reality, when I got arrested for the spray painting, I, would, I, I really should have gone to court because I've already uh, been charged with uh, yeah, criminal yeah. damage, right? So <laughs> the officer, the, the sergeant at the desk... Um, he was, he was like, um, he was like, Jay, 
what are we going to do with you? Because um, everybody in here seems to like you. And I said, well, you can let me go. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, he, and he says, uh, he says, um, he said, look, uh, what if I give you? And he picked up this wad of A4 blank paper, right? And he went, why don't you take that, spray your love tag on that, and then just leave them around? And I said to him, I went, because then it'd be littering. <laughs> and I'd rather spray it onto something so it ain't going to blow away. And then um, and they gave me a caution and, uh, and then sent me home. But, yeah, it was that moment of the same police officer that had saved my life, literally, and then arrested me. So he then must have said to the other guys, this is that lad. Yeah. He's, you know, ex-army. He does this artwork now, part and parcel of therapy, all this. Um, he's had a really bad time. Let's see if we can, we can sort of give him a break. Yeah. You know, and... Um, and, uh, you know, I, I've got to say, the love and support that I've had from Merseyside Police has just been, like, amazing. When I was really ill, um, even now, you know, I've done a few presentations for them, um, for their, like, youth groups and stuff that they have from time to time. And I just go in and tell my story. Um, and, and, yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I, I get in, like, in 2013, when I was really ill, um... I didn't give it a. I didn't give it like a, a second thought about maybe the artwork is gonna sort of take, con- mm. you know, its own way, you know. Um, but then, 2015, uh, I was, I was uh, nominated for uh, Merseyside Recovery Award, and I had to go to a place called the Brink in, in town. And, um, and I was like, I'm not going to get this. This is, you know. In fact, when I turned up, I said to the guy with the list, I went, Jay Wheeler. And he's looking at the thing and he's going, I haven't even got you in here. And then I went to myself, that's a good sign, man, to say I ain't won. <laughs> because they, they don't even know you're coming. So we did the, uh, sat there and, and, and I got it. And that's it there. Oh, mate. I could see that over your shoulder. Yeah. I was wondering what that that's was. It, that is, yeah. and, um, and, so, and that's for going out and spraying. So really, when you look at it, they're giving me awards because I break the law. When you think about it, it's criminal damage what I do. Yeah, which yeah. That's the, in, from a law perspective, what I do is criminal damage. But they give me an award for it. And then in 2017, uh, you'll see, I think it's over on that wall there, um, I was nominated for uh, an Echo Award. I didn't get it, but um, there's only two of us in the running, you know. And I still got like a tr- uh, like a a trophy thing anyway. So you know, it felt like I'd won anyway. Um, and again, that is for all the street art stuff that I do. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and 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 you know, it's just my faith. My faith since that day when I when I went to the church and I was crying and I was saying to God, look, I need your help, man. And he did. And I think that, that the part of me that wanted to die did die. Mm. Uh, and, and it's been hard the last couple of years. I've been on several different therapy programs and none of them have worked. And then last year I started a coping skills program, uh, which helped me deal with the childhood things, you know, um, And 
And then from that, on the back of that, I started trauma therapy, which I started a couple of months ago. Um, it's quite a lengthy sort of uh, therapy program. Almost 12 months, quite long. Yeah. Um, but the first half is based on my childhood, which is where we're in the middle of that now, as, you know, in the, in the therapy session. And then the latter part will be Afghanistan, because for me, Afghanistan brought everything to a head. When I came home, everything came up from the rising. You know, it was um, everything that I'd suppressed had now came out. Yeah. Uh, and I've been doing this trauma therapy and it's solid, like it's really hard. Um, but I, I've seen just a few couple of positive change, positive things and, and it's changes that I've been able to do. And it's small steps with mental health, isn't it? You know, when you're, when you're, when you're ill, because I'm diagnosed with PTSD and e EUPD, Emotionally Unstable Personality Disorder, um, that and Post Traumatic Stress Disorder. I think it's, um, it, it, it can, it, I think we can, if we're not careful, it, it defines us. 100%. Do you know what I mean? 100%. And I'm very, I'm very adamant to say, yeah, okay, I'm diagnosed with this. I'm, I, I take medication in the morning. I take medication at night to sleep. Um, and I don't really socialise. You know, I do stuff with the artwork, but other than that, I don't really go out. I just stay here with, with my dog, Fudge. And um, I think it's... I, I allowed it to control me mm. in the beginning. But through time and healing and, and self-love, you know, because I've, I've realised the last... Since 2015... And 2015 was my last admission to a psych psychiatric hospital. And that was it. So I look back now and I go, you know what? I should feel pretty proud of that because I, I haven't, I've had a few meltdowns over the years and a few episodes where... But not to the point where I've tried to take my life or anything like that. You know, so I give myself a little tap on the back for that. Mate, you it's, should. You should give yourself a big tap on the back. And I think that... Um, I think we all should, because I think in modern life, we never stop to look back at what we've done, right? Yeah, it's always on to the next, on to the next, on to the next. And even if you do something good, you might have an anniversary, right? And say, oh, it's been like, you know, six years since I've been in hospital, whatever. And then you go, ah, oh, happy anniversary to me. Anyway, what's on the telly? Yeah. And it's like, no, hang on, let's sit in that. Yeah. Because that's fucking massive. Yeah. Let's sit in that and just say... Yeah, man. Like, yeah. let's celebrate this shit because I agree. it deserves to be, right? It deserves to be. I agree. Because I think, especially, you know, I mean, that would have been my fifth admission um, that that last time, you know. And, and yeah, I think it, it, you've, got, you've got to give. You've got, it's all about self-love. And I've been doing that for, since 2015. I've been learning about myself and I've been trying to love myself and I'm still in the middle of doing it. I'm not, I'm not there by far, but every day, you know, a little bit every day, show yourself a little bit of self-care and it's just, it, it, you know, it doesn't change the world overnight, but it's, it's small steps and that's yeah. what it is with mental health, I think. It really is. And it, you're right, it doesn't change the world overnight, but it can make that world be a bit easier to live in yeah. for a, a little bit longer. 
Because and you know the worst person to live with is yourself. Yeah, yeah, that's it, you know? man. Yeah, I felt that when I was poorly, I felt like the way I look back at it now is that I was, it was like living with the school bully. Yeah. You know, it was like the yeah. school bully was following me yeah. around and everything I did and everything I said and everything it was like question, picking yeah. holes, making me doubt myself, you know. I'd go to even make a joke and then the, the voice would be like, they won't laugh, that's not funny. Like everything, everywhere yeah. I went, it was like when that voice is in your head, you can't escape it, man, you can't yeah. go anywhere. Huh? And it's, 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 it's horrible, it's dark and it's, and it's, it's just a nightmare. Um, and and I think if you and that, when you go through that, I mean anyone that's storing bottles of urine and rubbish and stuff, that self respect went a long time ago. Yeah, you know, it's an absence of love, Jay. Huh? Yeah, it's an absence yeah. of love. Yeah, yeah, which is what you're now putting back. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, I think um, because because uh, you know we were saying this earlier, uh, unless if I'm not honest with you about some of the things that I've lived in you know my with a we and and all of that and the and the several attempts to take my own life if i'm not gonna share that with you because i'm i'm in a place now where i'm happy to share that with you yeah i'm happy to share it with anyone and i, I don't feel ashamed i don't feel embarrassed um it's it's the real deal yeah. whether you like it or not it may some of it may sound disgusting and it was disgusting it was disgusting no doubt about it but i was ill because, you know, I, I've spoke with therapists and my doctor and, and they've always, you know, well, I wonder why you was weaning bottles. Now, all I know is that when we were in Afghanistan, the tent in the green zone, it was safer to wean a bottle that was next to your bed than to go out to the hole in the ground because, you know, yeah, you were just vu yeah. put in a vulnerable place then. So you're weaning bottles. I don't know whether that had something to do with it, but I do remember watching the aviator have you seen it with uh, leonardo dicaprio yeah, yeah. howard hughes and all howard that, yeah. hughes now at the towards the end of the film howard hughes goes mad right and there's a scene where he stored milk bottles with with his wee and i remember watching it and i was like for me it was like it was like a massive relief because i thought I've been telling people that that I did that, but I've never seen, any, I've never seen it anywhere. Yeah. And I watched that film, and I was like, "Wow!" So that must be an an element to an, an element of your depression, where for some reason, and yet you you're here in my home. That my toilet is just there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. But I, for me. It was more easier to just wean a bottle here, and um, and I yeah I just think uh, I I I I have to be honest because someone may well be listening to this podcast now who's actually living like that right now, yeah. and they just need to know that it's not just happening to them. Mm. You know, people need to know that, and and I I've gone. I've gone past caring about what people think of me. The only person that can judge me is God, and I'm happy with that. But I know that there's probably worse stories out there that people have gone through with depression and stuff. Um, to me, my story 
is sounds horrific, but there's got to be more horrific ones out there. So, you know, um, I think like your story is your story, and it doesn't matter. There's no like, there's no sliding scale in mental health, and whatever someone's story is, it's their reality. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's your reality. Yeah. So it's horrific to some and not to others. Yeah. And you know, I've had people on this podcast who didn't want to tell their story you know i didn't want to ask for help and tell mm. their story um because they felt like it wasn't big enough and i've had people who have come on whose story is so big they've said no one can relate to me i can't tell this story so it doesn't matter yeah it doesn't matter yeah. whether it's like like whether it's whether you see it as a small thing or a big thing it's fucking relevant. Yeah, I it's agree. relevant to the person that is experiencing it. It doesn't matter what anyone else has experienced. It matters what that person is experiencing in that moment. That's the only thing that matters. Though. I agree, mate. I totally agree. I mean, I, I remember... Um, I mean, I've had... I've had so far today, so I've had like... Um, I've had five exhibitions. I had f I've had three in Liverpool, one in uh, Manchester, and I just did a recent one last year in London. And I found, when I did my first <coughs> um, exhibition, uh, there was people that came, and I remember this woman, she said to me, she went, uh, oh, so, because you've got, you know, mental health kind of illnesses, so you're going to be ill for the rest of your life, then, aren't you? And I'm like, it doesn't really work like that, you know? <laughs> like, um, there's ways and means of living with it, and that's what it's about. At that time, when I was ill, I didn't know how to live with it, yeah. you know, through time through uh therapy and i have a fantastic doctor and friends solid people with all of those factors in you can begin to live with it yeah you know um and and when you learn to live with your illnesses you know you know the boundaries you know all of that um and uh, but you but you're also having a life you know yeah, yeah it might not be the best life because you're almost being dictated you know uh because of your mental health but it's better to live a life like that than like how i was living yeah well in a way it is the best life because if the alternate was the old life well then it yeah. is the best life right you yeah know? and, and I wouldn't change anything. Like yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't change any of that. That's brought me to this point because, uh, you know, everything I've done since a kid, since I was a little boy, it's, uh, it's. I've I've never had the easiest of rides, but I've never give up, and I, and I and I, um, I think I've always been a fighter from 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 since I was a little boy. You know, a fight for myself yeah. type attitude. You know. Um, yeah, it's and I mean, again, the artwork itself. I've got a really good friend, um, John Bambra, who who lives in Blackpool, and I've known him for a good good couple of years now. Uh, he's a top bloke, and what what he does, um, he he'll, he he gets me like he'll set up just giving pages because he's like, right, we're gonna get you out to Poland so you can do some love tags. He sets up a good just giving boom. Next thing you know, I'm out there spraying <laughs> on the streets of Poland. Wow. I did that in 2000. And the first one was 2017. We had the episode with COVID. Um, and then I did uh, Berlin because I wanted to put the love tag on the, the remains of the Berlin Wall. 
So we got me out to Berlin, did that, and got some love tags around Berlin. Um, and uh, I've been to Barcelona, got funded to go to Barcelona. Last year, I did my first London exhibition, thanks to John. And that was in, in the October. And then November last year, he got me out to Dublin. And, uh, and I put some love tags all around Dublin. And, and this is like, what you know, you set, up, you set up the Just Giving page and people on my social media will donate. And, and there's a lot of these people, a lot of these people I've never met personally. They just follow my, they follow me on social media. They, they know the story behind it, behind me. And these, and these people, they're just beautiful people because it's just like, yeah, let's, let's help be a part of getting him out there and doing something that he really enjoys, but also it benefits other people. Yeah. So I'm just really, you know, I, 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 I ask God in my prayers and I ask him to bless me with these opportunities. And, he, and that's what's happening. He's being, I'm being blessed with these opportunities. Um, just like this example, this, this experience now with the podcast, you know, I thank God last night and then this morning when I got up, I said, you know, please make it a good one. And, you know, um, because I'm, I'm grateful for these opportunities because it's, um, it's good for me. And it, it but, but primarily it's it's good for to see people then go, fucking hell, like he was in a really bad way. But it just shows once you get that self love, yeah, that self care, um nothing nothing is beyond anybody's reach. Um nice. and and you know, I I think now because when I was a kid, I had no identity. When I was in the army, I was a number. And now I feel like a little bit messed up, but I feel like me. I mm. feel like me. This is me. You know, this is what I love doing now with the artwork. And, and, and I do some, um, you know, I've been, a, I, did a, I go to schools, I do children's, children's charities, mental health charities that I like to, to work with as well and, and do art classes and stuff. So, it, you know, it's it's use all that negative and do something positive with it. Yeah. And I will not allow, never again, I'll never allow my mental illness to, to define who I am and what I do. I yeah, just won't man. do it. Yeah, that's awesome to hear. I think it's a case of like, for a long time, these things, speaking of my own experience, I suppose, for a long time it controlled me. Yep. And then I tried far too hard to control it. That didn't work either, right? And there's yep. that place of acceptance somewhere in the middle yep. where it allows you to just kind of like, okay, now I can make some changes, right? Yeah. Now I can take a bit of control of uh, of of life. Of, yeah. of, of something it's not. Else. It's not. It's not amazingly fantastic for you because because you, you're living with something that is hard to live with. Got to keep you an know, eye, but yeah. you got to keep it. You got to keep going, and that's. You know that's commendable in itself. Um, I, you know, I, I get this. I think with 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 what you said about your past mental health and with the, with this uh, proper uh, mental podcast, it's very it's similar to to Love Art Global because that's my that's my escape. Love Art Global is that's that's what I've created. Yeah, that's my baby. It's your you know. thing. Yeah. yeah, and it's a positive thing. It's not gonna. I say it's not gonna get me into trouble, but it depends <laughs> who you say it to, because maybe the police would have a different view on that. But you know, it, primarily, it's it's a positive thing. Um, just like your these podcasts. I mean, I've seen the, the, your podcasts. 
you know, the amount of people that you've had come on and, and they're open about it. And I just think, because you, I think as well, like I think for you, because you, you, you command this podcast, but I think your own experiences, of, of, I mean, because you're a confident guy, aren't you? You know, you, I mean, you, you've obviously uh, been messed up in the, but look what you've done. So mm. it's the same as for me, look what I've done. And, it, and, and I'm not gonna, um, I'm just gonna keep going and going and keep going, going until I can't go no yeah, more. Yeah, keep filling your soul up with yeah. this stuff, man. I and know. I think the more we talk about, I, I mean, mental health is in the last couple of years, in my experience, has been out on the table a lot more. Mm. But the stigma is still very much out there. Yeah. Um, and you know what? I've got to say this because it annoys the life out of me. But whenever I see there's an incident on the TV and someone's running around with a knife or something, and, and at the end they go, and he was suffering with mental health. And I just think that's what creates the stigma, you see. Because mm -hmm. then you're saying, you're relating to mental health to someone that's going to go out and stab you in the eye or shoot you in the head. Or, you know, it's not always about that. And yeah. I think when it's on national news, it right. doesn't do us any favours. No, it leaks in, leaks into people's yeah. subconscious, doesn't it? Yeah. The, the bad guy in every movie is a schizophrenic. Yeah. In every single yeah. movie, you know? Yeah. And, um, well, the statistics show that schizophrenics are much more of a danger to themselves than to anyone yeah. else, you know? Yeah. That's just uh, that's just how it is. But like I, I said to you earlier, some of the nicest people I've ever come across have been in psychiatric hospitals. Yeah. And some of the conversations that you have with people, it's just like, wow. If you was having this conversation, you know, in the middle of a, on a park bench or something, <laughs> yeah. people would be like, what are talk? But, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I don't think we should ever be um, scared to talk about it. And the more we talk, all talk about it and the, may, the more we all accept it, It can only get better. Can only get it better. It just means that, because I've noticed in that period of time that when I was in and out of hospital, I noticed that as time went on, there was less funding for the occupational therapy departments. And now I know in Windsor House, I also know for um, Broad Oak Unit, their OT department is gone because they've got no funding. And I think, these hierarchy people with the money and all this, pe with the budgets, these people need to realise just how important art is in an OT department, is in a psychi psychiatric hospital. Yeah. And you're taking some... I used to find that you'd be in your dorm and then you'd have to leave that, that ward to go downstairs to go into the OT department, which was, which was almost portrayed as a friendly classroom. So when you was in that room, you would never have thought you was in hospital. Yeah, yeah. So that was that was not. And then what they did, cut the budget, no OT department. So then people were doing it artwork on the ward, right? And you're kind of thinking, it's still defeating the object because just getting them off the ward, it's a fun. Get them out of that environment just for a couple of hours. Get them off that ward. So then the art went onto the ward, and now the art doesn't even happen because they've got no money at all. Um, and I just think it's it's a shame, and I've seen the decline within the OT departments, especially on Merseyside. I don't know what the rest of the country is like, but I think 
I think it is being recognised now that art does play a major part in mental health recovery yeah. and so on. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, it needs to be, it's like people like yourselves, you need to get these stories out there, you need to get that out. And, you know, and people just need to, um, to listen and, uh, you know, just be educated, I think. Yeah, and just be open to listening. That's it. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. it. You know, it's um, that's all people have to do. I think people are sometimes, if they haven't got lived experience, then they can be scared of the conversation, scared of hearing yeah. it, you know, because it's hard. Yeah. It's hard. You know, they're hard to have, they're hard to listen to. But yeah. um, that, you know, that's life. <laughs> you well, know? And I, I, <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I have a, a really good friend. She's like a sister to me. And, um, but she was telling me a good couple of years ago, but she had uh, a few episodes herself. She's ex army. She had a few episodes. And she was saying to me that, you know, she was out one night with her friends and one of them was talking about some with mental health think, problems. And, um, and, I, and I was like, so what did you say? You know, and she went, oh, I didn't say anything. I just, let and I went, well, okay, but that would have been a really good opportunity to educate those people yeah, through your moment. own experience. Yeah. And now I don't, I'm not, I'm not saying you have to go and tell people. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that to me, that seemed like a really good, moment to go well actually this is what I've experienced so you know because we have to educate people if we don't educate people they're not going to know any different yeah and then whose fault is it it's not theirs because they don't know any different <laughs> so we need to we need to um, we need to educate in every every opportunity that we get we need to educate people when it comes to mental health and, and mental illness because um, it, it can affect anyone doesn't matter the colour of your skin. Doesn't matter how much money you got in your pocket. Doesn't matter what big house or small. It doesn't mean nothing. When mental health uh, drags you down, it's dragging you down. Yeah. And there ain't nothing. All these materialistic things are not gonna sort it for you. Not at all. You know. Not at all. It can happen to everyone. Um, my one of my friends on social media. Her husband sadly committed suicide last year, and this is a family that has a lot. You know has a lot going from the nice holidays and all the rest of it. Beautiful big house. But his mental illness got the better of him. Yeah. And yeah. and and that's what it is, you know, it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter what you have. Nice. When it when it when it pulls you down, it pulls you down. Really does, man. Really, really does. Mate, I'm gonna start to bring us home. Okay. Purely mate, I could talk to you all day. <laughs> My recorder is down to its last <laughs> Last bar of battery, right? But it's two things that we need to cover that yeah. we haven't covered yet that okay. are really vital to your story. Yeah. And the first one is the uh, is probably what people are going to hear in the background all the way through this conversation, and that's Fudge. That's we've got. When did like tell me about Fudge, man? When did well, uh, when did Fudge enter your life? Fudge came into my life in uh, 2017. Yeah, 2017. Um, I, I was in a place, I mean, my home was all, you know, sorted and stuff, and I was in a much better place uh, mentally. And um, and I didn't, I, I, you know, the last, for a long while, I haven't let anyone in to get personal with me. Um, because, again, like I was saying, I, I'm working on self-love and self-care. And, and one of my friends had posted uh, his photo of Fudge, she was, at the time, she was at res uh, Freshfields Animal Rescue Centre, just um, outside Crosby. 
And um, I saw this picture of Fudge, British Bulldog, you know. I saw this face picture of her and I fell in love with her straight away. And so I got in touch with the rescue centre and I was like, you know what, I think, I think this is time. It is the right time to, um, to have a dog, you know. Um, and uh, I got in touch with the centre and they came, they assessed my home and all the rest of it. I had to go back every day, like seven days, go visit her, spend an hour with her every day. Um, and then, and then I, I, I brought her home at the end of them seven days. And I remember the first night I got her home. I'm on this couch and she's beside me. She's got her, her face tucked into my arm, right? And I'm watching Cody. And all I can hear is... <laughs> <laughs> right. like I, I've lived in tents like I said with 20 early ask what is snoring farting all that nothing to this dog here believe me like I felt I felt like we were going for an earthquake it was <laughs> it was proper loud but then but I, I then realised and I was like wow you know because there was there was something there was another living thing in my space now yeah um and you know what? She is. She. I just would not be without her. And what I do every Friday, and I've been doing it for only like a couple of years. But I, I do a collection of photos that I take a fudge throughout the week. Then I put them up on my social media on Friday, and I call it Fudge Happy Fudge Friday. So um, yeah, fudges. Um, it's funny because sometimes we can be walking around just just a general walk, and uh, and people will be like. I've had it before. People shout over it and go, um, is that fudge? <laughs> I go, yeah, it's fudge. Oh, so you must be Jaden. But it's always, it's fudge. Like, you go, that's fudge. It must be Jaden. Um, and I wouldn't be without it. And honestly, like, it's very rare that we're not together. I might have to go certain places where I can't take it with me. But other than that, it's me and her basically all the time. She's taken over my apartment. My bed's not mine. My couch isn't mine. I'm only lucky to have a fridge full of food because she don't know how to open the door yet. <laughs> Other than that. But, um, yeah, and she's she's an absolute darling. And, again, you know, uh, you can relate to this and a lot more people can relate to it as well. Is when 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 you you are, your mental health, you know, it, 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 there's some days when you just think, you know what, I just can't do anything today. Just cannot do anything. But what fudge fudge does, fudge will, like, get me up, get me out. You know, and just that little bit of a difference, just walking around the park, you know, just makes a, 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 just a massive difference to your day. Yeah. Um, so she's been fantastic for for my my mental health. And she's a rescue dog, you know, and she's she's um, she had issues like she would she'd been used uh, breeding and just neglected and stuff. And when we uh, I just think we 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 rescued each other. Yeah, didn't we? man. I think we rescued each other, and um, yeah, I wouldn't be without her. It was like, the, you know, uh, there's times when I when I go out and do these presentations and stuff, right? And then, and and but then and I'll be like, okay, we'll do some art with them now, and I'm like, I've got 20 minutes left because I need to get home to my dog, <laughs> and uh, you know, because it is just like, yeah, I just want to get home to my dog. When when I when I go away. Uh, to, to do the artwork in all these other different countries. I love going there, uh, but I hate leaving Fudge. But, and I miss her dreadfully when I'm away from her.
coming home, oh, I can't wait to get through and just see my and see my baby girl. Um, yeah, and that's Fudge. So you've probably heard her. That's it. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, it. She Fudge. knows you're talking She's about. Her, now. She wants a bit on the podcast. There yeah, she is. That's it. <laughs> it's good timing man oh it's beautiful to see man i think i always think on your posts that um fudge gets like so many more comments and stuff than your than your artwork yeah, does, mate. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> fudge man fudge honestly yeah but yeah fudge fridays man it's uh it's sick check out that that hashtag the other <coughs> important person in your life that i need to ask you about mate is um is Mr. T, B.A. Baracus because he's yeah. your he's your boy man and the, yeah. the A team in general is really really important to you and as we're sitting here now and it's it was unbelievable here you talk about what this place this this place that your story took place in this room that we're sat in now man. and like i've seen pictures so i can see, i know it but like no one would believe it you say it, it's immaculate jay it's organized and the, the love and the care that has gone into your surroundings is like it's so cool it's an aladdin's cave of cool shit from my childhood man like yeah. it's so cool I think we've... The 18. Well, yeah, because the 18, um, you know, uh, as a child, uh, you know, because we used to get in beatings and stuff like that, but for like an hour a week, uh, we'd be left alone. And um, and uh, that hour, I would always spend watching the 18 TV show because I absolutely loved it. And I also, I like the old emphasis behind it about helping people in need you know, um, and just Mr. T's, uh, I mean, Mr. T used to have, in the on a Saturday morning, he'd have a cartoon show, the Mr. T cartoon show, and beginning of every show, he'd do like an actual talk to the camera, and he'd say, you know, today's episode is about this, and we're going to learn about this, and then at the end of the episode, he'd then come on again and go, right, so we realised that, you know, Billy was a bully, and, and no one likes a bully. And, and, you know, and he would teach you, just teach you, teach you family fundamentals, I suppose. Yeah, and again, life lessons. Yeah, though. life lessons. Um, and then that, that show, it, it inspired me um, to want to join the army, and that's what it did. And um, I've, I've been blessed. I've got to meet... Dirk Benedict, who, placed, who played the face man. I've met him twice. Um, I had a really good personal message from Mr. T on my Twitter. Yeah. Yeah, thanking me for um, for the, all the love and support that I that I share him. Because he, on Twitter, Mr. T is um, very much, it's not about the actor. It's not about none of that. It's about uh, his faith, his Christian faith. And and uh, and I get that. And, and yeah, I mean, it was, it was quite surreal because... I remember I went to my mum's grave uh, about two two years ago for the first time. You know, never been there before. We're not fudge. Never been there before, and um, it was a really surreal experience. And I came home, and I remember for like the next two weeks, I was a bit weary, you know, because I went there to try and put it to bed, you know. Um, that part of my life, mm. and um, and then it, it was the weird experience was that like the next day he sent me this message and I was like, either someone has actually got in touch with him and said, you know, I think maybe you could do Jay a little favour and just say hello or something, it make make it make a really nice thing for him or something, or it was an actor guard, it was one of them, 
because Mr. T don't reply to nobody. He doesn't send people messages and comments. He just doesn't do it. Um, he'll if you if you if you leave a comment something on his Twitter, he, he, he from time to time pressed the like button. But other than that, you know. But he actually sent me a message, and I, and I was like, wow. And now, you know, the day I'm on my deathbed, I'll be like, yeah, man, but Mr. T <laughs> sent me a nice, really nice message. And, um, you know, I, when I got to, to meet Benedict, I told him about how the TV show um, helped me as a child, but also helped me to deal with the abuse that I was getting as a child. Um, and then, you know, it's a joy to, to sit and just look at all this collection that I've got. Um, because it's just it's it's an happy part of my life and yeah. and, I, and I'm holding on to it you know some people say that maybe you shouldn't hold on to the past but it depends what what you're holding on to um, I think this is a good thing to surround myself with this because it's a positive thing it yes I can't not have these and and not think of the negative at the same time not thinking about that time as a child and getting the beatings but the happier times with the show is a lot more prominent than than anything else outside of that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And and uh, I've been collecting this the toy memorabilia, which ranged from like 1983 to 1987, um, for a good couple of years now. Um, and I love it. I absolutely love it. Some of the some of the toys that I I have I I had as as a boy, and there's some toys that I wanted as a as a boy, never yeah. got them and got them later on in life. Um, but yeah, it, it just plays a massive part of my life. And that's why I wanted you to to come to my home. Yeah. Because I needed you to 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 know, like you said, this is the same place that all that horrible stuff yeah. happened. And you're looking around now and you would never have thought it's never the same in place. in a million years, um, Joe. So, you know, and it's, it's, it's a joy. When I, when I go out of my home it's a joy to always come from my front door now yeah. you know when i was really ill and there was rubbish and all the rest of it it wasn't a nice experience it was it was a relief just to get back that was all it was for me yeah. to get out and get back in here but now i mean i love walking from my front door mm. and, and and there are times when um sometimes i'll just sit here and i'll just look around and i'll just appreciate what i've got um because I know it was totally different yeah, before. Yeah, yeah, And, um, yeah, like, uh, my, you know, I, and I, I'm very conscious now about my home and uh, I love it. Yeah. I love it. And, yeah, the A-Team um, got to be the best show that, that was ever on TV. And uh, I'll pity the fool that anyone that don't watch the A-Team or, you know. But it's... Um, I think I think I would love the opportunity to, like I I did with Dirk Benedict. I'm looking. I love the opportunity with Mr. T just to say, look, you know, this is how you've helped me along through yeah, life. Yeah. And you know, the mad thing is, Mr. T used to be in the army. Oh, he was okay, in the Royal yeah. Military Police in the American military. There you go. And, and he actually came out as a full corporal, same as me. Mate. So, you know, does. There's, there's little things like that and you, mm. that, that you go, wow, all these little things are connected. Yeah, you know? yeah. We're um, meant to be. We were talking about that, weren't we? When, we? when I first arrived, we were talking about sometimes things are just meant to be, man. Yeah. It's just how it plays out. You don't always see it, but, you know, I was, uh, someone said to me, God doesn't always come when you call. 
but he's always on time. And and, <laughs> and I totally agree with that. It's nice that, For, yeah, yeah, fully, totally agree with it. Um, and then when you start, you know, you've you've got to. If you want, if you want to bring a better change to your life, you personally have to make these changes. No one else is going to do them for you. People can give you the tools to do it, but the book stops with you. It comes down to you and, and your actions. And so I just got to a point and thought, you know what? I don't want to live like this. Um, I want to live. I want to live the way I want to live and yeah. live better and stuff. And, and you know, and here we and are. This is what you see now. This is so. what we see, yeah? mate. Yeah. Mate, mate, mate. Um, Thank you so much for today, man. I'm I'm grateful for your time, your hospitality. It's been a, such a pleasure just to hang out with you, man. Yeah, it's been like, cool, man. It's we shouldn't have cool. waited so long. We should have done this so much sooner. But um, yeah, and just yeah, thank you, man. I like that took me through everything. That story, man. I had goosebumps twice. You know, it's just it's a wonderful thing. So well, you mate. know, again, uh, thanks, Tom. Thanks for like getting me on on your podcast and stuff it's just you know um and like i mean we hit it off when we first met we did, uh, mate. Yeah, with the iron did. man project you know um so just to see you again it's been absolutely bang on and uh just to be a part of your podcast it's like yeah man i'm blessed i feel blessed oh so mate thank you very much man honestly mate, nice we won't leave it so long next time yeah no definitely not mate definitely <laughs> not and if you ever want to come round and watch an 18 box set, mate. You're oh, always welcome. Oh, mate, we'll do it. You're we'll always do welcome. It. <laughs> oh, Jay, you're a star. Thank you, brother. Thank God you very much. God bless you, brother. Cheers, nice one. And scene. We did it. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> that was so sick. Was it? Big up to that proper mental podcast. A proper mental podcast. <laughs>